Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, it's your favorite Soul Sisters host, Jesse Katz and Dara Gallup. And hi, uh, hi guys. Good morning. morning. <laughs> um, don't know what time of day it is for you who are listening, but it's morning for us, and we're sipping our coffee and waking up with y'all. Thank so. you, Jeff. Um, all right. What's today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Feels like it could be any day, but it it's does. Tuesday. <laughs> it's because we're locked in a control room right now, and there's no light. Yeah. And I have no sense our, of that's the world. That's artificial light. Yeah. Um, the weekend was so crazy also. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like still, I think, recovering from it in a way. Uh-huh. You made some new fans of the band. Did we? Yeah. I brought some people out who had never seen you guys play before. That was a fun, fun show. Yeah. I, I mean. It was fun. It was different. It was very different. It was, when I moved to Bushwick, I was shocked by how many adults were in Bushwick, which was not what I was expecting. But at that show, that was the Bushwick that I was anticipating, which you was s- yeah, like you said it, like dirty it, hipster Like kids. from girls or something. It was like Bushwick just from like, girls. Like that party like that they went to. Like a cliche of itself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you Shea know. Shea Stadium we're talking about. Shea Stadium, which. Um, <laughs> I had never been to. You know. <sighs> I know that the real Shea Stadium closed, and so I get why they the felt like they were. Field? I get why they felt like they were allowed to call themselves that. But every person that I told that you were playing at Shea Stadium was like, "What?" Yeah, and then too. I had to explain it. Everyone was like, "Congratulations!" Yeah, oh my right. god, that's like amazing. you're the Beatles. And which I, I have to be honest, like I did too when I first heard it. I was like, "What?" I mean, I didn't. I knew that there was something I was missing because I. But <laughs> but at the same time, um, I mean, I know that. Shea Stadium is no longer in the city field for right. one and for two yeah, but you know, are not going to be playing <laughs> at, at a baseball stadium yet, randomly yet yet right now but you know how your brain can like have totally. two conflicting pieces of information and it just doesn't cross reference right. you just don't take the time to be like hold on that right. doesn't that doesn't add up right so people are like what but how many people does that venue actually hold? The well, new Shea Stadium. The new, right. Well, it's not like 100 a, people. It was not a baseball. Yeah. It was probably like, well, no, I think it was close to like 200 people. Okay. I'm Which completely incapable in of estimating anything spatial. Yeah. So I figured I was off. I think, yeah, I estimated about 150. I think it was more like 180. Um, in a small. It was packed. It was packed. That, the great. point is that it was packed. Point is People was were packed. super stoked. The show felt awesome because of it. It was great. Good. Yeah, good crowd. Good crowd for not blood paint. Yeah. Oh my god, they're so wild. They were intense. <laughs> Did you see the assassination attempt? No. <laughs> oh, 
No, I, I started to feel too old to be standing in that room, and I went yeah. and hid on the balcony for a little bit. No, that makes sense. Yeah. There was some nice fresh air right outside. Uh huh. But uh, not blood paint is an extraordinary um, five piece, no four piece uh, band, and they just put on every show that they perform. They perform a lot. Every single show has a different theatrical experience okay so it's a little bit performance art it's completely i mean it's like incredible like music metal and rock and all these different like glam rock and prog rock like all these kind of different influences and they they will i mean they're amazing musicians but then they also add in this like completely dramatic element and um i didn't realize it was different every single time because it felt so extravagant this sort of production that they put on with a king and queen sitting behind them on stage, literally in thrones with goblets of wine and face like white face paint and the whole like everyone in the crowd had paper crowns and flowers that they would throw on stage. And they shouted uh, something uh, about <laughs> gender fluidity at the start of the yeah, set. Yeah. All my friends I looked at each other like, Yeah, Bushwick. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. Yeah, Bushwick. Yeah, um, Bushwick. It was great. It was fun. So that was fun. So that I was, like embarrassed myself what do you by mean? fanning out too hard in the front Stop. row during your set. Please don't ever say that. It's my favorite. Please. Yeah, but I know that one song way too well because it's in the new one because it's in footage that you've given me of your rehearsal. So cool. So it's like I have my own private music Early, video uh, of it. Adapter yeah, but at the end, Lily like looked at me and pointed at me, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" What did she say? She's like, "You got it." She gave me a little like, "Yeah, you know that song," <laughs> and I just pointed back like, "Yep, number I do. one, number one fan." Yeah, it's so good. So it was fun. Um, so yeah, that was fun. That was Saturday, and then Sunday we had like the opposite show experience. You played on Sunday. We played on Sunday Whoa. at a furniture store. Okay. <laughs> Because this was for So Far Sounds. Have you heard of So Far Sounds? Uh-uh. It's this incredible um, thing that's been going on, I guess, since around 2009, um, where it's this like membership-based um, experience where you sign up and you get to go to these super intimate shows. So there must have been maybe like 60 people or something, all on couches and the Whoa. beds and the furniture. Where? And just this like super stripped down. It was in Soho. On Green Street, was it fun? Um, it was. It was lovely. It, it was lovely. This is our second so far. Sounds we played one in Dallas, um, and that one was kind of bigger and in a more sort of industrial space. And this, so this was like literally like people sitting on beds and do you play and full couches. set? Nope. We played. We played about four or five songs or something. Okay. Um, and it was super stripped down. Uh-huh. It was just uh, bass and guitar, and the ladies and and it was, was it just, acoustic. Uh, uh yeah, I mean no, it wasn't. We right were plugged, plugged in, in. Yeah. yeah, but but just way smaller and that's awesome. Yeah, it's and it was just it was so funny the difference. I mean we're like in you know Soho in Manhattan. Yeah, <laughs> the next day. Yeah, but no, it's really lovely. But also so far sounds weird really cool. and unique. Yeah, exactly. So far sounds is a cool thing, yeah. and I didn't realize how many they have in New York. Like it, like they have them going on all the time, like several at it in a night. It's like volunteer based. And I guess it's I'm really not cool. on that super cool mailing list because I am not getting these notifications. Well, you have to like be interested. I mean, you see live music in other ways, I think. Um, yeah. You know, you have to like want to like go. And it's like mostly it's not big acts that come to like the, right. the biggest acts. So, but anyway, cool. Fun. Yeah. I like it. Good weekend. So, uh, so speaking of local New York indie bands, Charlene yeah, K is on the show today. Charlene K. <laughs> 
Homegirl. Um, yeah. You know her from around around town. Yeah, it's funny. We we know each other from uh, New York friends, but we met in um, Savannah, Georgia, when we were both on tour there uh-huh. at a little cute festival. Savannah's the best. And uh, she's the best. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. And uh, she's in the band San Fermin, I guess we should say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Ellis, the songwriter mastermind, stopped by and uh, joined her for a song at the end which was amazing. Beautiful. Um, their stuff is very intense. And even just with the two of them, it was very intense to be in the room with that. Yeah, but that was a really cool good to way. see just like just her voice. and then Yeah, just her yeah. wailing. Yeah. Uh, and him playing along. All right. Well, then let's um, move along to our chat with Charlene Kay. So this is exciting. This is the fr- I've been waiting to do this interview with you. We almost did <laughs> She's it. She's been waiting for we, you. I have. We almost did it. Um, you had a show. Which seemed like a really weird random night with yacht yeah and um mm-hmm. it was like miss mister miss mister and it was like in a space that i hadn't heard of before mm-hmm. and we tried mm-hmm. to like set it up then but yeah, yeah i'm really yeah. looking forward to this because the, you're the you're in my world we're friends we like know each other yeah we're basically we're, friends we're basically yeah. right that's right that's that's where i get we're basically friends we're so close in almost being friends that we could just say that so we met yeah. maybe after today maybe after today after listen today. to the end guys and then we'll right. decide Official. right yeah. Uh, so we met, uh, in Savannah. That's right. At the mm-hmm. Savannah Stopover Festival, yeah. a lovely little festival in a church. Yep. It yep. was really nice. What year mm-hmm. was that? I think that was, that was 2015, 2015. I want to say. In the summer or something. Yeah. And then, and then, no, it must've been earlier than that because then we did, um, a show at South by Southwest for a hype hotel. Yes. And before that, I don't know if you were in the band at this point, but I saw you guys when you were Lily in the parlor tricks yeah, mm-hmm. back in, uh, I think this must've been like 2012 or something yeah, like that. Okay. It was like at the knitting factory and it was part of, um, I want to say CBGB fest. It might've been that, or do you know Tinderbox festival? It was like yeah, a female okay. centric, like festival lineup back then. And I was like, and it was so cool. And, but I, I probably saw you then, even yes, though I didn't I'm, know who you were. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but did, so and 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 that time you were doing your own thing. You weren't mm-hmm. part of San Fermin yet yep. at that point. Um, but it wasn't until after we played shows together that I realized that you were already friends with all of my friends and yeah, like yeah, that yeah. there was this connection. So uh-huh. it's interesting, you know, the, that you're kind of on this big national stage now, national touring band, but also very much a part of a very local, mm-hmm. small knit community, which like intersects from different schools and, and, you know, cities around the country and all these different things. So it's cool to talk to you. And I'm just curious about if that, if it feels that way, if you're like, you know, I'm part of this band, San Fermin, but that I come home and I, I have this family that I can collaborate with. And that, does that feel like an unusual thing? Do you, do you think in the, in this, in a situation of being in a bigger band at this point? Yeah. Sometimes it's probably hard to go home. You know, you it's funny because I, I, so I, I went to University of Michigan and I was an English major, but I was pretty fo- 100% focused on music, even though I was... I'm from in- Columbus, Ohio. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> Can, we can't be friends. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't really care about football. Yeah, and then I basically caravaned out to New York with a bunch of my musician friends after graduation. Uh-huh. We all got a practice space together. It was like this... Um, dank place in Chinatown with like mold on the walls and stuff like that, but we were committed. And since then I've been here for almost seven years now, Uh which is pretty crazy to think about. I was actually in Prospect Park yesterday, just uh, reading a book, but like looking around at, at Brooklyn where I first, uh, 
established my my first home, like my my first apartment when I moved to New York was in Brooklyn. And I have memories of Prospect Park as one of the first places in New York that I've, I really identified with. Mm-hmm. And just I spent a lot of time in that park, like thinking about being a musician and mm-hmm. what, what that would mean for my life and my my career. And so coming and I really haven't been back there for years because I've I since moved to Manhattan and most of my my recent memories revolve around Manhattan. So coming back to Brooklyn, I was I just reflected on everything that's happened since so I like moved the, away. And which, which looks like what? What yeah. are the bullet points in your mind right. as oh, you're man. lying in the park? Yeah, oh. <laughs> just the flash of tours and studios. Yeah, and- a little bit. Oh, it's it's so every single year is defined by different experiences, different tours, and different people. And I've I've always. I've always wanted to do music as much as possible. And I think it was a real challenge for me to actually commit to um, making that my career by any means possible. And is that I, from family upbringing, just, just your general nature? Like what was that due to? I think a lot of it had to do with family upbringing, to be honest. My, my parents were both, they both grew up very poor and not in an artistic world at all. Like they, both of my parents are from Singapore and my mom grew up in a family of, of eight. And so she, she has six sisters and one brother. Wow. All the girls had to sleep in one room. The boy had to sleep and slept in his own room. <laughs> and she always has just been very um, money conscious, for lack of a better term. And she's very worried about my being able to take care of myself with music, mm-hmm. understandably. Sure. And, and, some, and I often think like, wow, well, am I ever going to have health insurance? Am I ever going to have social security? Probably not. But... Uh, I don't think about those things because I'm too busy think, doing what I really care about and what really energizes me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it took me a long time to actually commit to doing music and just trying to make it work. And I waited tables for a really long time when I first moved to the city uh-huh. um, at a restaurant called Leal in Par- on Park Avenue, which is since, mm-hmm. I think, last week just closed, oh. which blew my mind. Yeah, they were like, a that's a <laughs> end of an era for New York Closing, and for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, my mom definitely had a, a big impact on my decision to pursue this full time. I think if she had her druthers, she would have uh, had me go to law school or yeah, become yeah. a doctor. Or it's it's I, I I don't want to reinforce the um, like the Asian <laughs> stereotype uh, <laughs> stereotype, but actually. I think it was it was based it was based on financial stability sure. first and foremost. Of course, it's scary. I mean, I had a similar experience where my parents were not unsupportive, but they said it would be great for you to go to like a liberal arts college and get an education that can, mm-hmm. you know, and you know when you study English, when you study Spanish, it doesn't really. It's not like much more, you yeah, know, yeah, helping yeah. you get anywhere unless you want to be a teacher or, or whatever. <laughs> but, but you know, it's. It's an understandable thing as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to a friend this weekend who was telling me that she really worries now about retirement, saving for retirement, having a good job that will allow her to retire at a certain age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, that's so funny because I am surrounded by creatives who aren't worrying about that because I guess the dream is that if you can make it in a creative field, you'll do that up until the day that you die. Like the idea of retirement that's interesting isn't too. a goal yeah. as much as if, you know, you have like the nine to five that you're doing largely to pay the bills and you would like to be able to stop at some point so you can enjoy the rest of your life. Right. The idea yeah. of stopping is not. Right. Yeah. Like what, mm-hmm. what would that look like? Death. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Truly. In a good way. Um, yeah. So, so then you 
studied English, but you were in your mind, you were a musician. Yeah. You were always, mm-hmm. I was to- pretty much checked out <laughs> as soon as I <laughs> uh, got there, which, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to demean the experience that I had at Michigan at all because it was a wonderful academic environment. And I learned so much that was not music related that I carry with me every single day. Mm-hmm. But I, it didn't take long for me to realize that I was very passionate about music and that that was the, really the thing that I wanted to pursue after college. Yeah. What were your instruments at that point? Because I know um, you're a guitar player now, mm-hmm. primarily as in addition to being a singer. Yeah. But that you also play lots so, of things. Yeah, I, I actually started playing piano. That was my first instrument. And I played piano from when I was six to uh, like studiously until I was about 16. And actually when I was 14, uh, I started listening to the radio. I started listening to a lot of pop punk and basically took my mom's nylon string acoustic guitar and taught myself damn it by blink 182 <laughs> and then the rest of the rest was kind of history i was it was so much easier for me to figure out chords and play songs that i, I knew and loved because uh-huh. i'm a horrible sight reader and i think that was the big hindrance for me with with classical piano is that it took me so long <laughs> and i think now it's a nice exercise to go back to those pieces and yeah. rediscover like what is so musical about them but when you're 16 you're like ah i just want to play like punk music and, <laughs> and you cool. could pick it out by ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a lot easier for me back then. Then, yeah. Where were you living then? In Arizona. Okay. Did you have a band with friends in high school? I had one band in high school. Uh, it was comprised of three guys from my Spanish class. <laughs> we called ourselves Donald Truck Style. It was a totally nonsensical name, and we only played Weezer and Foo Fighters. <laughs> That's my first band. <laughs> Which Weezer songs? Uh, Say it ain't so, obviously. Staple uh-huh. sweater song. Great. Uh, Surf wax America. Mm-hmm. You name it. Can we <laughs> find classics. this on YouTube? Unfortunately, no. We didn't have the means. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that. Though. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> was there YouTube then? There wasn't, but I don't think so. I think no. YouTube came around. It was like two thousand five. I think high school exactly. Which yeah, two thousand five. But mm-hmm. someone might have taken video. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's maybe, true. Yeah. Maybe Retroactively, one of the guys moms and secret <laughs> when we weren't looking. Did you have Facebook then when you were in high school? Mm, I I remember making my Facebook page. The first day of college. Okay. So yeah. I don't know if I don't think there was Facebook. It was 2004, I think, that it came out. Mm. So that would be your junior year, senior year, high school. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I remember being on the track team and some. I was we were like doing our warm up laps and some of my friends were like, yeah, in high school, in college, you don't need MySpace because you have Facebook. And everyone was on MySpace. Well, when was MySpace high school. created? I don't even know. I think... I don't I don't Did you have know. a MySpace in high school? I had two MySpaces in high oh, school. Oh, like a public <laughs> and a like private? A, or like a Charlene and a band one? Uh, exactly. I had a personal <laughs> one with like my Zodiac sign <laughs> and a blog. And then I had um and then I had my band page with like the music player. Oh, right. MySpace like was not just about music. It was like Facebook. Yeah. It was like connect was a, and like yeah, meet yeah. people. Uh-huh, oh my god, uh-huh. I forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> Did so you guys weird. have MySpace? Yeah. I, I did so. not. I still like you my were ahead mu- of the curve. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're just always behind it. <laughs> I think my music one is like still up. Like if you Google <gasps> it, it's like there oh my God. because you don't. You, it. I, I bet yours is like. I mean, unless you like take it down. Yeah, those things like don't go oh away. Oh my God, I had to. It's weird. I had to like exercise mine from the depths. Of the <laughs> yeah. I I like went to support. I tried to like call somebody because it was horrible. I you don't tried want, to get rid of it. Yeah, and I think I think it might still be there. It's just a, it's just like. <laughs> If it's you went to like a, a lot of trouble, it's, I hope that 
I hope that you were successful, but <laughs> just for the sake of like our internet, like peace of mind that you can succeed in getting things I think this down. comes up all the time where we're like what is MySpace and we never check and like every episode this comes up and we're like oh, we don't know as if we have no if means exists? of ever checking yeah no yeah. I know mine's there I'm not saying oh, you do it. yeah oh, okay. no, I know because <laughs> there's also some music like you can't, she's still updating it you can't, right, I'm like check it every day who's <laughs> <laughs> listening no because there's music that you can't like download or like do anything yeah. with yeah so it's like, like once it's, it's there like, yeah it's just like they're holding there. it hostage yeah i don't know yeah i don't know i guess yeah and and if you it was so big for like networking with other musicians too it was like what's your myspace and then right you just yeah give them your myspace and i have to say i actually miss the platform of only having four songs available on your page because it oh felt, that was the thing it kind of narrows out narrows down your choices to be like okay if i want the, yeah. If I want to discover a band, what do they think I should listen to? Mm-hmm. And that was a really cool way for me to discover music because it, you didn't have to dig through a bunch of right. Like, right. Now it's like there's just too much. Yeah. 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 So did you guys back. either of you ever like walk around with demo tapes or CDs or anything? I feel like it was past CD time. It was yeah. like mm-hmm. iPod. Right. Yeah. I, the iPod was. But what if you just met someone popular. in a bar and? And you wanted to be like, yeah, listen, listen to us. I, I think I'm recommending I, you should start doing it. The only time I've ever done that was, I think I was in 10th grade and I made a burned CD of covers that I had made with like the, the shitty voice recorder app on my mom's PC. <laughs> and it was covers of like Michelle Branch and, um, uh, nice. who else was it? It was like, like Victor, what was her name? Um, Vanessa Whiteside. Oh, Vanessa Carlton? Carlton? No, 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 no. Yeah. Who's Vanessa White? She's like a friend. Know. That's a friend of mine. No, Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> yes. Stuff like, it was, it was in that in that realm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I burned, I took a picture of myself in my <laughs> bathtub because it had like a white background <laughs> and I put my camera on selfie. on self. Yeah. This was like one of the wow. first stuff. Wow. How provocative. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was like the, you know, the downward. Yeah, yeah. Space angle. No. It was like, it was just because it had a white background and I was just, I had my guitar in the bathtub, like looking... <laughs> passionately disinterested <laughs> and I printed it out and like pasted it onto the blank CD nice. and then I gave it to my classmates at school. Nice. There you go. That was my So hustling. you did it. That was my attempt. Not afraid of the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> Not afraid of the self small sphere, but you still did yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never know. Your classmates could have a parent who's a record executive and they yeah. accidentally put it on in the car. <laughs> there you another go. Another 16 uh, year old girl yeah. singing Michelle Branch. Yeah. Exactly. exactly what we need. <laughs> and I wonder when Garage Band because that mm. changes everything too. Because that allowed yeah. you to not just like yeah. like record something with what with you know like a tape recorder or, yep. or something. Well, that was probably some iteration of the Mac that mm-hmm. came installed with that. Yeah. Um, Do you remember? Like, yeah. so did that start happening in high school using that? Software? I will tell you, I bought a Mac because of GarageBand. I went into the store and I had never. I didn't. The only concept of um, multi-tracking that I had known up until that point was taking the same voice voice memo app on my mom's PC that I was that I was telling you about <laughs> and recording the three separate harmonies from my choir class and I was like oh my gosh I can hear myself at this like three times but the the problem was that every time you wanted to harmonize with yourself you'd have to open a separate window with the, a separate record button to record the previous 
thing mm-hmm. with the one that you were currently singing. And right. each time, the pre- the quality of the previous harmony mm. would degrade just a little bit. <laughs> right. But with GarageBand, you could actually like make multiple tracks, and you could have drum loops, and it was the most magical thing yeah. for me. Yeah. So that was a huge so, game changer. Totally. So when was that? That was like your junior year or something? Let's see. That must have been... I think that was 2001 or 2002. Okay. So I, I think I was a, I was a, I was 16. Okay. Sophomore in so you're school. probably like, man, I, I know I love this, but I'm going to go to college. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to learn lots of things uh-huh. and do music all the time. <laughs> yeah. That it was a, basically a much more, uh, like uninformed version of what I currently do now. On Logic. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no formal music studying in college. I took a couple voice lessons from a couple instructors, but I didn't, I didn't study regularly with them. It was more yeah. out of the curiosity of like, what is this like? I've never taken a, a voice lesson before. Um, but besides that, I didn't continue piano lessons into college and it was more about it, self-exploration. It was more about right. going out to meet people, um, going to open mics, going to as many shows as possible and just kind of discovering like how many different kinds of music mm-hmm. and musicians there were. Is there a good music scene there? I mean, there must be. It's such a huge school. Mm. When I was there, it was popping. It yeah. was really a rich time for uh, independent musicians to thrive in, in Ann Arbor and Detroit. Mm. Um, mm, right. And the this club called The Blind Pig had a great roster of acts always coming oh, that's through. That's just where we went. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. It's great. Oh, I love that great place. Venue. Apparently Nirvana played there back in the 90s. Oh, man. And cool. they're so proud of it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, it was really great. This, um, Chris Bathgate, who's a, a folk singer songwriter comes out of there and electric six who mm-hmm. you just went on tour right. with. Yeah. It's from Detroit. Um, Alex Winston also from Detroit. Right, exactly. Uh, and I'm trying to think of other Flint Eastwood, who we just played with again, uh-huh. also from Detroit. Yeah. So many, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of good acts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'm not sure what the scene is like now, but back then it was Awesome. And I feel like a lot of people that were just kind of burgeoning at the time are now like full-time touring musicians mm-hmm. that are... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if that active. scene took a hit in Detroit recently, it's probably coming back again already because uh-huh. a lot of artists are moving into Detroit now, mm, I think, because it's affordable yeah, yeah. and they're trying to build it back up mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. So I think the rent is the... It's, it's on its... It's on the upswing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, For that, at least. Right. So, cool. So then... The scene, like a lot of what I've seen of the, about the connections that you've made since started then. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like talk about, what was it called? The internet <laughs> star kids? Star, what yep. was it? <laughs> Some, Some combination of those words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the scene that you got involved with because it seemed like an actual like group of yeah. people who were doing something very different and using the internet in a way that was new at that time, kind of. And oh, yeah, totally. So, Was this still in Michigan? This is in Michigan. My last year at Michigan, a bunch of my friends in the theater department put on a three-hour parody musical, of that, which was basically a condensed pl- uh, plot of all seven of the Harry Potter books <laughs> in one three-hour musical. And it was brilliant. It was so funny and are you a of, harry potter fan i'm a huge harry potter <laughs> fan. yeah and it was and it was profane and like just like explicitly said all the subtext between characters that everyone's thinking the whole time do you guys read awesome. harry potter no. oh it's so good <laughs> i hear I it a little no bit. i totally missed that train yeah. yeah yeah it's not too late it's not too late. <laughs> no um but one of the 
So the guy that played Harry is my friend Darren Chris, who went to Michigan oh. and went on to play Blaine in the, in the show Glee. Mm-hmm. And so, um, un- so unrelated to that though, Star Kid put this. They called the they started a theater group and called themselves Star Kid. So they put this musical up online, and within a week, it had something like two million views or something like that. And it just totally tapped in to all of the corners of the internet that were specific to that intersection of musical theater nerd and Harry Potter nerd (laughs) and it just exploded and suddenly they had like a hundred thousand followers on Twitter like their Facebook presence became massive and it was just this complete phenomenon that everyone was completely surprised by crazy do you know if there was one thing that that pushed it through to like get get it sort of have that visibility or was it just like people are searching for like Harry Potter and well those fan sites like MuggleNet and mm-hmm. Leaky Cauldron. I don't, it's not like I know all of them by heart. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like they posted about it. And then honestly, it's just word it's of just, mouth. Because right. these people have like fan communities that mm-hmm. they tell um, they tell their friends Harry Potter related content that pops up. And this was like so kryptonite for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, it, uh, I think it was. I think it was primarily word of mouth that this thing got got spread around the internet as quickly as it did. And then after that, they used that platform to create more original musicals. That many of which were parodies, but some of which were originals. And Darren helped write um, a lot of the music for it. They all, and they all. It was a, like a collaborative effort from everyone that was involved in the original musical and then for these subsequent musicals. Um, and then they decided to go on tour with all with the catalog of music that they had developed mm-hmm. since the very first Potter musical. And so this was like three years later. And I think at this point they had like six musicals or something like that. Yeah. So there's a lot under their yeah, belt. Yeah. Well, there's like funny, they had funny names. I thought I wrote one down, but like Is it the, the second one, it's like, fuck my, fuck. I don't know what it was. Is it what me was and it? my dick? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That that one is incredible. It sounds it's really goofy because of the name, but it is basically like a walking penis and a walking vagina of these two uh, high school kids, and they so they're the two kids, and then they dress their alter, basically their alter egos, their ids, if right. for lack of a better term, um, up as their genitalia, and they have a conversation, and they flirt with people that they, and they have side conversations, and it's actually a very accurate reflection of what your brain is and and your hormones are battling in high school man oh costumes was it was it like representational oh, yeah. like oh completely it was oh, like man. my friend joe he's hysterical uh he plays the penis and he has um like a, a he has like a fleshy <laughs> costume with two balloons that's on awesome. each of his ankles it's really, so funny so yeah that's gonna go viral uh-huh. uh-huh so they're taking these on the road yeah and so in 2011 they took they went on their first tour called the Space Tour and invited me to play guitar in their backing band and open for them. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And so... It just as a solo act. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was able to bring a band, but yeah, it was my solo project. Okay. And it was the first time that they had actually interacted with the fan base that had otherwise existed purely online. Uh-huh. And so we got to, to meet, to see in person what this movement was. And it was slightly, it was, it was amazing. And, and it was terrifying. terrifying yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause they're just die, die hard star kid fans, like one direction, Justin Bieber level wow. devotion to this what movement. age. Primarily teenage girls. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would say like, it's always teenage girls. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. That's true. Yeah. What kind of venues were you playing in? Uh, we would, I would say that the, probably the average size of the venue was like 2000 people. And wow. we played Roseland in New York before really? it closed down. Yeah. It's legit. Yeah. yeah so this got really real. Cool. I mean, was there backing for this at, at some point? Was there like was sort of a team behind um, they didn't have a label, if okay. that's what you mean. Or, but yeah, I don't know f- what a, a musical theater <laughs> internet like thing, like this is such a hybrid of a thing. I don't know what I it would have been, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. just management or. Yeah, I think honestly they, they funded a lot of it through merch. Okay. On, huh. And fans on their, from the websites that, that just wanted them to come to their cities. And so they would support them in any way they could. They sold the soundtracks to all of their musicals, um, stuff like that. And, uh, you really got to see the it, it, people. We joke that Star Kid is like one big inside joke. Yeah. If you've never heard of it, you've no idea what it is. <laughs> but if you're in on it, then you think it's the funniest thing in the whole world. <laughs> right. And so the shows were really. It was like a digital tour in the sense that you you're finally seeing up close and personal the people that you've only seen intimately on your own on a on a TV screen. Well, right. I mean, it's so, like any any like it's. You want to take it to like the glee level. It's like uh-huh. you're like they go on tour and then you get to interact and see the people that you're watching on television. But here it's like a more intimate thing that feels personal because it's like you're doing Harry Potter in a musical yeah. and now you're here performing it for me. Like this is a private, yeah. I feel like this is like an inside. Yeah, it's a know. private show for it's 3,000 fans. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's so sad, exactly. the thing that I connect to in my head, I'm like, oh, it's like Sesame Street Live. Right, no, I remember seeing thing. that when I was a like, kid. That was like the coolest is. thing ever. Frozen on ice. Yeah. You know? I mean, getting to like, 
see your see the people that you watch then perform live. It's a it's a cool thing. Like yeah, on, yeah, a, yeah. on TV or on film or something. Right. So had you graduated at that point? Yeah. This is after graduation. Mm-hmm. I was two years out of college at that point. Okay. Were you never a musical theater nerd to like want to be in the shows? No, I'm not an actress by any means. <laughs> Yet. Uh, I, I actually just took an improv class in January, Voila. my first ever foray into All right. that. Where? Uh, at UCB. Yeah. How'd it go? I loved it. I yeah. loved it. It was so it was so fun. And I love comedy, but I just never have considered myself the vessel for uh-huh. that art form. <laughs> um, what prompted you taking the class? Um, I just love I just love comedy. I listen to comedy podcasts, I okay. go to see improv. Um and I just, I just thought, I, f- I felt like it would make me a better performer. Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of being able to think on yeah, your Yeah, it bleeds into other stuff. Yeah. Right. How was your graduation show? It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a little yeah, touch and go. Didn't at the wheel or anything, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how that uh-huh. changes. Are you going to do another level? I'd love to, but I'm, at this point, I'm not going to be in town for eight consecutive weeks anytime soon. Yeah, it's a commitment. So. It's a commitment. Yeah. I think there are like intensive ones you can take yeah, where they yeah. cram it into mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm. I don't know, a month or something. Yeah. It's like eight hours. They have like week long (laughs) ones where you do it like 10 hours a day. I don't think I'm cut out for that. I mean, it's funny, like, uh, you know, depending on what you are inclined to do, like, you know, getting on stage and performing music could seem intimidating to people, but doing comedy is like the most intimidating thing I find. mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, if you're not, I feel like you'd be great at improv. No, 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 no. (laughs) But but I feel like they are the same in that you kind of have to have it to do it. I mean, you can study, but you have to have an innate talent. You can't, right? I don't know. I mean, I think that you have to, for comedy, you have to have something very different than you have to have for music, I think. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. so ballsy. Like you I either got it or you don't. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing about improv that's great, though, is that when at least my teacher encouraged us not to be funny, and that put a lot, that took, took a, lot a lot of pressure. pressure off of you because mostly it's just reacting honestly to what a situation is and right. trying to add how you would normally react, which sounds really counterintuitive to a performance that is supposed to make people <laughs> laugh, but somehow it works. And yeah, I mean, but that's layered. It's like, don't try to be funny, mm-hmm. but be be as natural as you can so that it's then the funniest thing in the world. I mean, the end game is still yeah, to be yeah, really yeah. funny. Uh-huh. You just and there can't be conscious of it. there are rules as, as you advance the levels and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. The Herald? Oh, Did yeah. Did you guys get yeah. into that? Not yet. Okay. I think this the 201 is where you really explore like the long form game yeah. and learn more of the structure of it. But That's the craziest thing, that you have to be so in the moment that you're just purely reacting to someone on stage, mm-hmm. but also another part of your brain has to be tracking what's going on so that you can keep coming mm-hmm. back Oh, for things. sure, yeah. yeah. And thinking, it's so always thinking much... like three steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but being as present as a human can be yeah. at the same time. Yeah. 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 But what I loved about it is that it's not... So much of it is, it just teaches you to be adaptable. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, it's like totally something, somebody says something, you have no idea what they're going to say. It's whatever that is, you have to commit to it and mm-hmm. make whatever. Not to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't have any preconceived notions of what you wanted the scene to be. It's yeah. kind of have to roll with it. I mean, you guys have to deal with that on stage all the time, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like some shit happens and you're like, fuck, but yeah, thank you gone from the, I guess, I don't know if this is a musical theater thing or it's like, I've. I have it in me to just like, you don't even for a second, like let on in your face that anything happened. That's the move. Like if like something happens, like there's some people who will be like, oh, fuck, you know, that happened and like really make a thing of it. And I just like, and I don't know if, I don't know which is better in like a sort of 
in a different yeah. Different well, most context, of the time, it's, it's something different. the audience probably wouldn't even know, right? Yeah, like there's probably a lot of stuff that happens where you guys are like shit, but we have no clue. Mm-hmm. Sure. And if you just carry yeah. on, we would never know the difference. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the also do you, in shows that you do. Do you have to sort of do like banter and like talk to the audience? That's uh, the stuff. We try that's... to choreograph it so that we don't step on each other's toes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we don't. We we. It's not like a stand-up show, but I, I guess like I guess our last show in Baltimore, our drummer broke his snare drum, and so there were a few <laughs> moments where we were like, "Okay, Gotta what do we the do? Time. Anyone have any jokes?" <laughs> yeah. But well. it turned it turned out okay, and it's those moments where. Yeah, exactly. You just it's, have to be adaptable and just. It's yeah. funny how that can be more stressful than like the anything. <laughs> yeah, like on, the dead, dead time. A nerdist, Chris Hardwick, always talks about how he heard the story that when Prince, if Prince plays a wrong note, mm-hmm. he'll then play it again. Oh my god! So that it sounds super intentional. <laughs> that sounds like our trumpet player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unapologetic. Yeah. Um, so okay, anyway. so you're now you're traveling around with yep. this. With still on Star Kid, so you're oh, going around okay, with gotcha. with them mm-hmm. doing the shows. Yes, playing guitar, playing your own original music. Yes, okay, yeah, and which you had written during college or after or just like so throughout your life. At that point, it was 2011. I was out of college for two years, and so I was I had written my second album, and it was so fortuitous that it came out right as the second Star Kid tour was beginning, and so I was able to tour on that album nice. with Star Kid, which was amazing. And, uh, yeah. And so that, that was a four week tour around America and that was actually the last one they've done. They've done. They haven't toured since, since 2011. Mm-hmm. Why? What happened? I'm sorry. 2012. That was the second one. Uh, they're just, they're just doing, doing other, other things. projects. Yeah. They're doing a, a, a musical now based on a caveman and that'll be out this summer. And yeah, they're just always, always working on new stuff. Cool. So at that time when you were playing on your second album, so what, what, what happened with the first album? So I released the first album when I was in college and that was totally, uh, just my first foray into, uh, recording. And I, I recorded it with a good friend of mine, Jim Roll at his home studio in Ann Arbor. And that came out when I was a junior. Okay. So you put that out just on your own on iTunes on, yep. yeah, cool. And then wrote a second one, played mm-hmm. on it, and then and then so now you have this two albums worth of music. Mm-hmm. Are you then saying to yourself, "Let me be touring on this"? And like, what is your thought process as far as going forward? Right now or back then? Then. So after my second album came out and I had toured with Star Kid, I kind of I, I reached a point where I felt very uh, lost and I didn't know exactly what the next step was going to be. I, I thought. I thought for a minute that I would not do music anymore. I was exploring different career opportunities. I took a web design course, got really in- interested in that, thinking that that might be an alternative career path. What was, was making you feel this way? I think it was, I think there was, it was a lack of confidence. Uh, there, there were a few, it was a sad year. There were a lot of life events that happened that kind of compounded into like my having Low, the lowest self-esteem that I had for a long time and not really believing in myself anymore. Um, and not, I just hadn't, I just didn't feel inspired mm-hmm. for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And the thing, the stuff that I wrote just wasn't really ringing true to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I was trying to, trying to create without really having it come from like a real place. Like, I think I just 
was very eager to race ahead into the next era, whatever that was, but not really doing like the personal work to make it feel authentic. Mm-hmm. So was that after Animal Love or before? After Animal okay. Love. Mm-hmm. So even after that whole project, which has beautiful, wonderful videos and beautiful music, and you did a lot or surrounding that project. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. good stuff there that seems like I would have thought that that project felt good, mm-hmm. good, and that you would have yeah, felt good yeah. after. And it seems like you had a lot of fans who were supportive at that time, which is fantastic when you're just like a solo artist and you don't have, you know, you're, you have support. Yeah. So mm-hmm. well, that's interesting. I, yeah. And I think that, I think every artist goes through this once they've completed an album cycle. Mm. It's, you can either, you can either be like, okay, what's next? I'm just going to like do whatever's next. Or you can get overwhelmed with, the expectations that you have of yourself and sure. slide into self-doubt and depression, which mm-hmm. I, de- which I learned the hard way is really easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're, when you have a career that depends entirely on your own drive and your own, um, like you have to be almost in this like constant state of, uh, self-analysis and you're almost, it almost so feels like exhausting. you have to yeah. write a, a thesis on your life, like every few years. And <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I didn't necessarily want to write about the events in my personal life that were going on. And I didn't feel comfortable, um, writing about that honestly for whatever reason. And that really, uh, messed with my mind. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. So I just decided to take a step back, mm-hmm. like not just not put any pressure on myself to create anything that didn't feel honest to me. And then actually at that moment, San Fermin came along. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look at that. So the universe. Yeah, <laughs> really. So you stepped back and were you working like a day job and just you went to you studied design mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, I was doing web design and I was teaching and just kind of going through the motions, like not, not feeling super fulfilled. Where were you teaching? What were you teaching? I, t- I taught private lessons, guitar, okay. songwriting and piano. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then do you enjoy that or is that kind of like a, I actually really do enjoy that. It's, it's really fun to help somebody else along their musical journey. And I think that was healing for me too, to cool. just step outside of myself and see where other people were at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, and, and before San so this is like 2013, 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, 2013 was the apocalyptic year that it seems like a lot of my friends just had a really hard time that year. Too. Yeah. There's something about that year. So have you been connected with all of the the people that we started talking about before we started recording the podcast? So we have mm-hmm. all of these friends in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did that connect? Like, how did you meet Sarah and, you know, Bruno and all of the people that we sort of, that are in this mm-hmm. New York scene that we're both part of? Yeah, so Sarah has played keyboards with me in my own musical band. <laughs> musical band. <laughs> in my own band. Um, Bruno's played drums with me in, they're both mutual friends of, of mine and Dara's. Um, I guess I just met them through seeing them play with other people. And I just admired them from far. And then I I scooped them up as friends. That's how you basically, you were like just being a sort of friendly, you know, yeah, fellow I, musician and, I, I and meeting so. people. I, was just like, yeah, I, I think, I can't remember who I saw. Oh, I saw Sarah play with Rocket and the Ghost. Okay. And I was like, you're such a badass. She and is such a badass. So I met, I met up with her. I just kept seeing her places and I was like, we just need to be, we need to be friends. So oh, that's we, awesome. we hung out that way. Awesome. And What's then her last name? Gold, Sarah Goldstone, sorry. Okay, that's okay. Badass keyboard yeah. player and what singer. Up, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How would you guys describe the music scene in New York that you're referring to? 
What is your scene that you guys share? Well, you used the word incestuous earlier, and it really, that's, that's. But uh, I mean, like, in terms of the music. Oh. <laughs> oh. We'll, we'll, get into, we'll get into that next. Let's right, start playing, right. and then let's zoom in on that. All right. Um, all over Just the like place. Indie, everything. Indie music indie, scene? Well, yeah, I think uh-huh. that's that's the word, the difference, I guess, between how I started to say, like, being in part of San Fermin versus coming back to New York and being part of, you know, Rockin' and the Ghost and Parlor Tricks mm-hmm. and all, and and um, what's the the Nick's band? Um, oh, Twin Wave. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many of these bands that we're all parts of and, mm-hmm. and interchangeable with that, that that are doing different genres, but all sort of indie... Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, indie with some electro synthy, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's makes, a lot that of that. Right? Um, yeah, yeah, but it's like what? What? No, it's uh, like I, I was telling someone this weekend, like I'm like much more plugged into the music scene in New York than I was before because of my friend, and they were like, "What scene is that?" And then I just like went blank. I was like, uh. Uh, I don't know. I think <laughs> the one that we're referring to is like indie rock, basically. Yeah, okay. I, I was. Yeah, that's like the, like playing all of the rock clubs in New York, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, because I guess there's just a handful. Really, it's not so many venues. Well, not anymore. Yeah, they're all yeah, closed. Right. <laughs> they're all closed, and then smaller yeah. ones are. Yeah, yeah. So does it feel like a small town for you guys in that way? Yeah, like it's weird because people consider New York to be one of the meccas of music mm-hmm, in the entire mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. and when you consider how many people move to New York to try to make it in music, then it would make it seem like that world would be huge. But I guess it breaks down as being actually a very small community. Agreed. Yeah, agree. I disagree. would say so. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it becomes smaller. Like if you if you're part of it for a while, then it becomes smaller because everyone does end up sort of plant the like the degrees of separation between you and another person become like right. mm-hmm. you know decrease all the time and so it's still huge i mean so i feel because i feel like you have brought a sort of little mini like michigan like cadre to it like so like you have some michigan people and like i mm. come with like new school people and then like sarah and like Marily and people are like berkeley people or you know and just like you, there are these little pockets of groups that then form then connect yeah and then now you have a bigger scene and it's sort of but then does that ever become a barrier or um are rivalries ever born out of that like well we come from this background and we have this in common so. no i don't think there's like a jets and sharks mentality no no <laughs> i think it's like a very supportive like collaborative community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say yeah okay but but it's gotta <laughs> it's gotta go the other way sometimes I mean for any group of people that you're all trying to achieve the same thing and people rise and fall sometimes it's got to get a little dicey no or it's really just that supportive I mean all the I time. just think that there's enough room for everybody that there's not that like well if you get this gig that I'm Uh not going to get that gig. You know, there's not, it's not that situation so much. I think there's like just so much to go around. Yeah. So much playing, so much opportunity. So is it very different then from like the film and TV world, for example? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Because I guess, well, like if you're an actor, you're auditioning against all these other people. There are only so many roles. And so you're like constantly fighting Mm -hmm. for a thing and constantly being rejected and other people are being rewarded. Right. Here you're making your own stuff yeah and I mean it's different you know if you're a if you're a sort of musician who gets hired to be in bands and then it's different than having your own project or being part of one full-time but but even then I think that there's enough stuff happening 
that it's not that same level of competition or yeah. that vibe. Even if someone makes an album that blows up. I think people are just happy about it. Oh, you guys what are, are you, so do nice. You, do you think? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, maybe I'm overstating the sort of supportiveness. I guess I just don't. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a terribly competitive musician, so it, I'm, I might be less tuned into that yeah. energy possibly. Yeah. That's good. And it's nice to like seek out to say, Oh, like you're a badass. I'm going to meet you. And like, we're just going to connect. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah. So that I guess there's always going to be petty shit talkers and they probably attract each other and it stays amongst right. them. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are not interested. So it's not coming world. to you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you don't play with people like that probably because it's not attractive to you. Right. Yeah. Um, well, that's lovely. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh huh. So then stand for me and how does that go down? Who, how, what, what was the story uh-huh. there? Um, so I had met this woman, Joy, who is a super talented keyboard player and singer at um, what's called the Seven Train Sessions. It's, a, it's like a house show up in Queens that my friend um, James puts, over, uh, puts together. And I'd met her once. I'd, we'd seen each other play. We met, we were like, and, uh, but, and, and it was very brief. Then I think it must have been like a year later, I got an email from her saying, Charlene, like, I don't really know if you have time for this, but would you be interested in meeting my friend Ellis? And they might be looking for a new lead singer. And I was like, oh, sure, that might, I, why not? I'll just go, I was, in, I was sort of in the mode of like, I'll just try anything. And so I went and met up with Ellis and Alan. We hit it off, sang a couple songs. And, I've, and it's been over two years now, I want to wow. say. Been what did they have? on the road nonstop. <laughs> so cool. What did they had out at that point? So like they had the first album was out? Their first album was out. So I con- I finished uh, touring with them on their first album and then we recorded the second album and then and we're still touring on that. Very cool. Yeah. So is that was that sort of like a okay, this is now like did it feel instant like a f- sort of finding that direction. You're like okay, now I'm like I'm I don't have to worry so much about, you know, being creative in a way that's like not feeling natural or mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. easily to me. Like mm-hmm. he, this is great. Like what was your feeling about being part of a eight piece band touring mm-hmm. band? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> it certainly, it certainly was an experience that I had not anticipated and, and I'm still surprised by every day. And when I first joined, um, the prospect of singing somebody else's words and telling somebody else's story was a little conflicting to me because it wasn't something that, I ever ever wanted to seek out necessarily, but now that it was in front of me and I was in this weird place, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to see what, what happens and like how I emotionally resonate with, with these songs. And fortunately I really love the music and Ellis and I have a lot of, of influences in common. We both love Sufjan Stevens mm-hmm. and I, I've always loved Rufus Wainwright and that sort of grandiose approach approach to arrangement and songwriting. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me with San Fermin. And so and it was exciting to be a part of this big collective where essentially everybody is a front person at right. some point in the show. We have, a yeah. bar- we have a Barry Sax player who basically shreds like he's playing electric <laughs> guitar. We have a trumpet player that goes out into the crowd almost every show and basically is hanging from something at the end of the show. Um, Alan is the other lead singer in the band, uh, and our violinist also goes out there and just rips, and it's so much fun. I love sharing the stage with them, and 
um, seeing how the audience reacts to that sort of weird like mixing board of yeah. like, people is really, yeah. really cool. There is a perception about the band that it is less about these individuals and it's almost like a theater company and there's a greater story being told mm-hmm. over the course of the album. So it's less about like who's singing this song mm-hmm. or that song than mm-hmm. like this is a greater work that you all are just smaller pieces of, which yeah. I think makes it really stand out from mm-hmm. other bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was probably easier then for you to step in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I would I would agree with that for sure. Right. Or was I mean vocally it's it's a very challenging um collection of music mm-hmm. that Ellis writes. So were you ever intimidated by that or was was that like fuck yeah, bring on it. <laughs> oh, bring man. it on. I was so intimidated. I don't I, when I was first uh auditioning and learning the songs, I could not imagine singing half of the stuff that I had heard on the record because it was so high and so expansive. And I I just don't write like that for myself. And Mm -hmm. I think that's changed how I've written for myself since. But uh, the the Lucius girls actually sing on the first record and they're phenomenal singers. And to think of singing uh, Sunsick with their, which is the song that really got did them he a lot write of that with them in mind or he found them how did that I think he wrote it before okay, they yeah. came on board but he could probably correct me if that's wrong <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah I I just I like I said like I was I just not in like a great place of confidence and I didn't feel like my voice was capable of doing all of this all this, all this crazy, acrobatics, yeah, nonsense, and so yeah. I mean, um, it couldn't be like you have to replicate Sunsick like they did it. It's got to be a reinvention. Sure, right? sure. And it took me a, a while before it didn't feel like I was singing live band karaoke. Yeah, yeah. To <laughs> Saint Fermin band, you know? right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I and I think when the second record came out, then I really felt like I had a, like an ownership and an identity with those songs and mm-hmm. being a part of this project. And I, I, I started to feel like that towards the end of the first album cycle, but it was still like, I was trying to find my place and, um, trying to fend off comments like, where did the other girl go? <laughs> oh man. Like that. Yeah. That's <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So you, cause you came in and they had already was most of, were the eight or seven others had they been all together and you were sort of the one new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's intense. Yeah, <laughs> you're so like the mm-hmm. Aunt Viv of yeah, <laughs> yeah, but more beloved. <laughs> Fresh friends, okay, because yeah. <laughs> they changed actors. Yeah, okay, weird. Sorry, that was a backer. Yes, that's great. Different actors <laughs> came in to play Aunt Viv. No, but I do remember Nobody, that. It's yeah. strange. Nobody worry about it. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. They used to do that back then in TV. Yeah, yeah starting mm-hmm. with like Bewitched. I yeah. think now they finally like, okay, you guys okay. get it. Yeah. <laughs> You're on to us. Yeah. Yeah. Just anyway. And switch. Yeah. <laughs> so now this is your second year touring with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're about to go back on the road? Yeah. We are touring like pretty steadily all summer. We just got back from a three week tour um, and now we're off for the next 10 days. Then we're going out again for a week and then we're playing like a festival in Latvia in July. Oh, fun. Yeah. It's, it's doing like things cool. we've never done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're working on your own stuff still in the meantime or yeah, yeah. I I've just finished um I've just finished some new stuff that I think I'm going to try to release in the next few months, which is really exciting for me. Release it it's how? Been a long time. Um just release it digitally put it out into the world. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think so. Yeah, that's the cool thing. I feel like you have been able to have different things happening in your career without there needing to be like 
bigger forces at play necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like your first two albums you were able to put out on your own and you have a, a really, a really lovely fan base that's behind you and supporting. And like, I just, I mean, how, do, how do you account for that having happened? Like what was, when did you become a, a figure that people like were following and, and wanted to, to have more work from you? Was that from the, uh, star kid stuff? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the Star Kid tour had a lot to do with it because I was touring with them. Um, I had three, a three-week tour with them at first and then uh, like a four- to five-week tour with them after that. And then, yeah, I think that was just such an incredible outlet to and such an incredible gift to perform to their audience every night. And because they're so internet-based, they just naturally yeah. like adopt whatever they... They, they just share whatever inspires them and um, pass it on to their friends. And it was, I think it was really just a miracle of the internet and seeing how. Right time, right place, right spread. talent, yeah. Right, yeah. right projects. Like, but then do you work hard to keep that up? Like, are you, well, are you big on your, like your webpage and. You know, I, I try to be as engaged as possible, but it's, I haven't had anything going on with my own music okay. since those tours really. Like my yeah. last album came out in 2012. Um, and I, I can say now that I I think being in San Fermin and ha- and having to have stepped back to really do that work like I feel completely excited and ready now to release new songs of mine that I've worked on and that I that I I feel that it, that that is truly an, an accurate reflection of like what I want to say and who I am at mm-hmm. in this moment. That's awesome. So do you, yeah. do you write on tour? Do you like, are you inspired at any moment? It could be totally random or have you found that like being on the road is sort of mm-hmm. what gets you going or like what, is there a pattern to it or is it? Yeah, I, I really like writing on tour actually. And I think a big part of writing on tour, <laughs> what's made me do that is because we sit in a van for up to 10 hours a day. Sometimes it can be, it can be anywhere from an hour to 10 hours or to sometimes I, I want to say like there, there is actually an unlimited amount of time that one can spend in a van. Um, and it's eight of you or is there, there someone nine else with, of us. Nine with a, like a tour manager? No, we have a, we have a front of house okay. and we have a, a lighting designer sometimes. So when so the lighting be, designer comes, there are 10 people. And what do you, in, van. in a in one van, passenger in a van or something? A sprinter. Yeah. How about you guys? Because you guys yeah, have a lot we're of six. In your band yeah, too. so we're just six, and we mm-hmm. do just like a fifteen passenger yeah. van, and so we you, drive it ourselves. You don't have a front of house or anything. Mm-mm. I mean, I mean, we have a, on occasion, but mm-hmm. generally, mm-hmm. no. I mean, it would be great. We yeah, would, yeah, it would yeah, be fantastic. But um, six yeah. feels so six, small. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are like, "Whoa, you guys are such a big yeah. band!" Yeah, but yeah. like for you guys, yeah, I just remember you when you and deep. I went on to someone's proper tour van that we interviewed and we got off and I was like, fuck, it was kind of shitty, <laughs> that van. And you were like, what? That was so it was nice. like a palace. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, seeing, we went on tour with Alche in the fall okay. and just looking at their tour bus, I mean, I was on a tour bus with um, Starkid, but you really, you really reappreciate what you don't have. After, <laughs> Starkid after had a tour bus? Mm-hmm. Like where does, that's like a lot of money. How yeah, but they, they were making, that? They, it was definitely justified. How I was like, I'm always, I just like can't wrap my brain around like internet and money and how things work. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> right. To, for teenage for girls the, who have no disposable income. Right. Like, I mean, if it was like merch, yeah, I mean, their if, parents. if they're selling t-shirts at a high mm-hmm. enough rate, 
or at a you know enough T-shirts that that Starkin had to bring like three merch people on tour. Jeez, <laughs> with three separate kiosks. The internet people the were internet. and, like and they sold out of stuff every single night. It was crazy. And so like their productions now are not they're not still doing that. Like they didn't say this works. Like let's not stop doing that. I'm not sure actually. Yeah. I okay. Don't really know. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but anyway, so you're anyway. in the sprinter with uh-huh. the eight to 10 people mm-hmm. and you are able to seclude yourself enough in your brain and like have enough peace where you can right. be creative. That yeah. must be fantastic. Yeah. It's a, a lot of people, I, I feel like it's because I'm in a van and I, I want to feel like I'm being productive. Right. So <laughs> That's the challenge. With our inner, with our in-ears, you can just put them in and it just blocks out all sound. And so I'm so happy to just sit there and like fiddle with uh, logic and make beats and try to create stuff. Yeah. Cool. It's so funny now being in the van. I don't know how new this is, but like, um, what is it? H- hotspots that like give you the oh, internet. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it's just like, that's a different world. And so now mm-hmm. like people are in the van and everyone's like on their Never laptop, like on the internet. It's yep. just crazy. Yeah. And great. Yeah. <laughs> great and sad. Great, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's productive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you all get along for the most part, obviously we do. You're mm-hmm. going- tell me but uh (laughs) (laughs) cool all right so you guys are going to perform something yeah yeah what are you playing we're going to play a song called philosopher from our album jackrabbit which is the most recent san fermin album cool is there any story behind philosopher uh i might defer to ellis yeah i was gonna say maybe we should ask ellis Mm -hmm. yeah is ellis in there oh we could get ellis could ellis run over and, and tell us about this song Hey. Hi. So great to speak with you. Yeah. So you're going to play Philosopher? Yes. Okay, awesome. So is there a story behind this, the writing of this and or the song of it? Yeah, I think I was, when uh, I was writing this song, I was I was um, living in New Hampshire for a couple of weeks. And um, I was thinking about a lot of the people that I know from New York and sort of the trying to be too cool for everything um, and how like, uh, in doing that, you sort of maybe miss some of the emotional realist, you know, realism of being a person. So I think this song is sort of about trying to be uh, relying on your philosophy to to get you through things that are actually not manageable in that way. Very cool. Sort of being yourself and sticking to to your own your own mind. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's do it. When I grow up, I think that I could be an actress I let the camera find the truth In these little eyes And I could feel what it was like to be electric And let the people hear me scream and shout With this little mouth And if I let all my demons out you would love it and I would let the makeup run all down my face I'm a philosopher I try to put it all behind me I'm a philosopher I gotta try to keep it Control it somehow And when they're finished with me I could be a lover And you could try to find the blush of youth In the 
forget what it was like to be electric and to wink at all the boys at home with these eyes. I'm a philosopher with these eyes. I'm a philosopher with this This is over. I'll be looking for a way to let it go. I'm getting.